it's just all digital now, so it's all ball bearings nowadays. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Are they in the proper approach pattern for today? a thing you can still put money in jukeboxes except waffle house jam doesn't have the meaning it used to and that's sad it's a it's a piece of my heart that's been it's just like the wonder years when you're like little did i know that a bit of my childhood it just slipped away <laughs> uh-huh by childhood i mean a drunken college years so uh you you weren't using it anyway that's true uh, hey welcome back to dispatch ajax welcome back this is our first official COVID episode. Uh, that's right. After more than two years, I actually caught the video. You got it this time. The COVIDiodrome. <laughs> is that when you get like a, a Kleenex emerging from your chest? If I could just reach in there and pull it out, oh, I would. would. so good. For so many reasons. Yeah. But unfortunately, yeah, I'm a little under the weather. Um, and by that, I mean, who are you? <laughs> But I know you, you had COVID before we started recording. Yes, not before we started recording today, back before we had the podcast. Yeah. Got it, got rid of it, just like that, baby. <laughs> I said, get off, COVID. Hey, get out. <laughs> hey, I'm hey. not a chicken, you're a turkey. I'm potting here. <laughs> yeah, so he's a sicky. Yeah, I'm dying. Uh, this is our first recording since we got back from. The con that we went to, yeah, which was uh, great, where we were the it was yeah. which, it was it ended up being good. It was weird at first, but it ended up being great. We were uh, guests. We were on several panels, and Skip, what was the name of that con? I was just about to say Conquest KC. There we go. They number fifty three, Conquest KC fifty three, which may or may not be the number of times they've done it or the age of the person that founded it. I'm not really sure, but we don't ask those questions. A gentleman never asks. So, uh, we did that, and then I got COVID. I had been very careful for a very long time, and it just kind of – it was a situation without my control is what happened. So, thankfully, I'm vaccinated. Otherwise, I'd be in the fracking hospital right now. But this is our first during COVID event, so we're going to soldier on, like in No Country for Old Men. Only Britain soldiers on. What? So that doesn't make sense, does it? No. Don't you don't remember No Country for No, 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 not No Country for Men. I'm sorry. Uh, Children of Men. Children oh, of Men. God, oh, I said I had COVID. A, I said I had COVID. A big difference there. There's a big well, yeah, well, yeah, maybe. I was like, what is what is he talking about? No, no, a Children of Men. You know what part I'm talking about when he's on the bus and it's like, yeah, no, I, I get it, but you said No Country for Old Men, so I was trying to figure that because out. Because I have COVID. Uh, okay. He's got cheesy brains. <laughs> I've got, <laughs> I've got that. Uh, I've got that late Al Capone brain, the uh, syphilitic uh, Swiss cheese brain going on right now. Oh <sighs> God, uh, I have a hard time regulating a body temperature, so I have literally have two fans on me right now. Well, are are they clothed or not? 
maybe maybe you should tell them to remove their clothing, which might help. Do not talk about my dogs that way. I did take their collars off. I probably shouldn't have done that. But <laughs> I, literally, I literally have two fans blowing air on me currently. Ooh, two fans blowing. Nice. All right. They've got palm fronds and they're peeling grapes as we speak. I didn't even know we had fans, let alone two fans that were that type of fan. It's got like Mel from Flight of the Concords, you know? One of those type oh. of fans. Right. You know, she was based on a real person. That's a whole different story. So, what's this podcast going to be about, Skip? Hey, that's a good question. Oh, okay. So, most of us are acutely aware of some of America's most famous cryptids. I mean, maybe Jake and I know more than most. I would say probably it's kind of like one of our bags. Sure, but a lot of people who would even possibly listen to this probably know a lot of them too. Like, let's say uh, the Jersey Devil. It's a good Cabra. dude. Nice guy. The Thunderbird. He's one of my favorite New Mutants. Well, technically he wasn't a New Mutant. Technically he was an X-Man parish. And then Warpath became, yes. yes, his brother Warpath went to, yes. Mm -hmm. He was a force mm -hmm. of the X. Wasn't T-Bird also a sweet car? That's right. I got one outside. I've been watching it for days. <laughs> I'm going to find out who owns it one of these days. <laughs> and I'm going to go up to him and say, nice ride. <laughs> he vomits blood all over him. <laughs> what, Thunderbird was pretty sure a character in Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo? Uh, yeah. Uh, Super racist. Kind of like Apache Chief. Yeah. Not cool. No. No, what he looks like is kind of like Billy from Predator. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but Billy from Predator in Best of the Best 2. Right, but he also goes out like a bitch. Yes. Yeah. And maybe a little bit of Billy from Predator and Best of the Best 2 when he was in Firewalker. Ooh! The Chuck Norris and Louis Gossett Jr. joint. You finally found a third Billy moment. Oh, man, we've been talking about this for years. <laughs> that was the third Billy on the grassy knoll. <laughs> So anyway, we're going to talk about cryptids, and a lot of people know about cryptids. Right. Here are some of the famous ones. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, the Jersey Devil, the Chupacabra, the Thunderbird, Champ, if you remember Champ. Or Champy, the Lake Champlain monster. That's correct. The Mothman of Point Pleasant, mm -hmm. West Virginia. Cool dude. The good guy with a gun. You know, creatures that no one has ever been able to prove exist. <laughs> you know, you... You got me there for a second. I was like, is he having COVID <laughs> issues again? What is no, no, no. There was not senility. Caught me off guard. You're being funny. Oh, I get jokes. <laughs> Man, I even spent three years living in the Pacific Northwest in the heart of Bigfoot country. But Jake and I are both native Midwesterners, specifically Missourians originally. So for our first cryptid episode, we thought we'd explore some of the lesser known monsters right here in River City, baby. Mm -hmm. Which I think applies to a lot of towns. Yeah, I no, that's because I, I wouldn't even think not. of that as a Missouri thing, but I don't think it's a Missouri thing. Well, it might be. I, I mean, know. It sounds it, like maybe it has like a, lot of, a lot of rivers. So, I mean, I don't know. Who cares? Believe it or not, in the Midwest, there are a lot of cryptids. And a lot of people don't understand the Midwest. They don't know where it is. They don't know what it means. They could think it's flyover states, even though it's one of the most important and foundational areas of the United States. There are a lot of legends, a lot of mysterious supernatural legends in the uh, southern part of the East Coast. 
you know, in the mountains of Virginia and West Virginia and Georgia, leading into the Appalachian Mountains that, of course, stretch into Arkansas and Missouri. And we as Native Missourians have experienced a lot of Ozark folklore, Ozark culture. Have you ever been on a float trip on the border of Missouri and Arkansas? I don't think that's anything I could ever burn out of my brain. Not even with moonshine? Mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I, I don't know where to go from that. Here's something people need to understand right now. The Midwest, Missouri specifically, is not the South. It's not. It may border a lot of states, but that's kind of the point. It borders Rust Belt states. It borders Southern states. It borders Plains states. It borders Upper Midwestern states. It's basically the one state that nobody knows how to quantify. And we, of course, would posit that it's the ultimate Midwestern state for that very reason. It's the... The catch-all. Yeah. It is the consummate Midwestern state. Usually you think in the modern zeitgeist, it's Kansas, you know, because of Superman at Smallville and uh, Dorothy in Wizard of Oz. But honestly, Missouri is older, more diverse, weirder, and the definition of all the weird things that the Midwest is. And before you say Ohio, f*** you, Ohio is a Rust Belt state. I don't give a what you say. <laughs> and so is Indiana. And, you know, if you're by Pennsylvania, you're not a Midwestern state. I'm sorry. I refer to that part of the world as the Mideast. That's a bit more accurate, honestly. Yeah. Isn't it, though? Yeah, but I mean, the, the problem is the Midwest, it seems like Appalachia to the Rocky Mountains. Everybody considers that just the Midwest. Well, kind of, except for Arkansas, which the South denies and the Midwest denies. And then Oklahoma, the Midwest denies and the Southwest denies. So those are kind of those states where you're like, get the f- – what are you – who invited you? Jesus Christ. We got to be inclusive. Everybody can have a state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, man, who invited those oh, – Jesus, God, Oklahoma's here. Hey, I hear your entire thing is a reservation. How is that working out for the natives? Great. Oh, is it not? Oh, wow. That's mm. – have you met my annoying cousin? Uh, South Dakota? <laughs> Completely accurate. So for those of you who don't live in the Midwest, the politics of the Midwest, the, the sociology of the Midwest is fascinating. It doesn't make any sense to anybody, and you have never seen a proper representation of it in media ever. I think one thing that you're trying to say is that Missouri is all of these different types of things. For as much as it's Iowa, it's also Arkansas. For as much as it's Kansas, it's also Ohio. I think it's it's this like glob in the middle. You know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. That's what makes Missouri weird. Also manifested by the fact that we have the weirdest weather in the country, hands down. We have equal parts of all four seasons, but they're all the most extreme versions of those seasons you've ever seen. Did you just bleep your own F? I don't – come on. I, saving myself some time in editing, man. I just <laughs> – That's awesome. Takes me forever. <laughs> so – I'm going to drop a f- just because. <laughs> as weird as Missouri is for all of these ways that it's seen, it's experienced, Mother Nature reacts to it, it's also weird for the oddities that exist inside of it. Yeah, and mountains, hill folk – uh, you know, dark corners, all of these things lead to uh, legend and folklore and eventually cryptids. So 
we thought we'd talk about some of the local cryptids to our home state, Missouri, and the surrounding areas, because I think they're more fascinating and forgotten than people think they are. So, Mm -hmm. we're going to jump into some really, really interesting Missouri-adjacent, at least. Missouri-adjacent? Well, okay, so a couple of them showed up in St. Louis, but then they also saw it in Illinois, or, oh, it showed up in Missouri, but then some people saw it in Arkansas, you know what I mean? Well, yes, but if it's hmm, okay, it's Missouri based. Yes, yes, Missouri. But I mean, a lot of people don't really understand that St. Louis is Illinois, right there. <laughs> right, that's a good point. Let's set this up. So, Missouri is a weird state, almost completely red, except for the vein of I seventy, <laughs> which runs through the middle of the state, adjacent to Kansas. You have Kansas City, I seventy, equidistant between that and St. Louis is Columbia. Where the University of Missouri is located. Right. And then another two hours away, you have St. Louis. And that's on the border of Illinois. So your biggest cities are on the border of other states. And so there is a Kansas City, Kansas, and then there's a East St. Louis. Both East St. Louis and Kansas City, Kansas are garbage, just by nature. (laughs) But, you know, we try to be an inclusive podcast, but then Skip talks. And that's – Okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I have been stranded at a strip club in East St. Louis on Mardi Gras. I will not defend that city in any way, shape, or form. When was that? I got stranded by some Irish tourists. Well, uh, what were you doing with Irish tourists? That is a long story, Jake. That is a long story. Well, perhaps we'll be a... Uh... For another day. So that's special Patreon content there is what that is. On the Kansas City side, Kansas City existed before Kansas did. So, before anybody's confused, that's what happened. Kansas City was a Missouri city. And is a Missouri city. Well, scammers. Not to be confused with scanners that explode your head. On the other side of the Missouri border, they knew that people were coming up the river and looking for Kansas City. So, sometimes they'd get off at the wrong place. And so, a lot of those little towns just started calling themselves Kansas City, Kansas. Hmm. to scam them into coming in and and trading their wares, even though it wasn't the post they were looking for. (laughs) This is not the post you're looking for. It sounds like Ringo. (laughs) I use the force. (laughs) So think about this. Kansas City is a Missouri city. It's not a Kansas City. That whole thing was a scam. And it still to this day remains a scam. It's just a big parking lot and then a bunch of suburbs where rich people live. And I know that Paul Rudd and uh, Jason Sudeikis are going to come after me for that, but whatever. (laughs) Don't worry. They're not going to hear this. They're never going to hear this, even though I love them dearly. So anyway, there are many – I almost said COVID. There are many cryptids that that exist in this part of the world. (laughs) There's the coffer, the hacker. (laughs) There's the drip. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we're going to go over a few of those that have been famous over the years. Or perhaps not so famous. Fair enough. So now we shall travel to the town of Joplin, Missouri. Mm. It's May 22nd, 2011. Route 66. It's where you get your kicks. Or it's where you get an F5 tornado that tore through there on that day, killing Mm -hmm. 158 people of a town of 50,789 and injured 1,150. The damage wrought by this tornado equaled about $3 billion billion, destroying over a thousand homes. 
The cousins Leg Grisby was 14 and Mason Lillard, 10. Rescue workers pulled them from rubble that had been a big box store and they were sent to the hospital with Grigsby thought to be dead and was sent directly to the morgue. The Lillard's doctor was sure that he'd be dead, but the metal debris that punctured her body was just an inch away from her vital organs. Grigsby and Lillard were both in their grandparents' truck when the tornado hit. The swirling 200-mile-per-hour winds picked the truck up and tossed it over 300 feet across the parking lot. Now, they were pinned down inside the truck, and they both saw the same thing. People with wings floating above them. Really? Yes. At first, they thought perhaps it was angelic beings, but they described what appeared to be butterfly people. One with brown hair and the other a blonde, the little girl told the local paper, and that their presence was soothing and calming. Rose recounted in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, there was a story of a mother running to shelter while holding her young daughter. The wind knocked them down, and there was a car that was lifted and, and shooting towards them. As the mother tried to protect her daughter, nothing ended up hitting them. When the mother looked up, the daughter said, Didn't you see? It was the butterfly people. She went on to tell the mother that she could see butterfly entities carrying people through the sky. More people in this town, always children from all around the city, reported seeing these same butterfly beings. These people with wings that looked like butterflies. And they would be standing over them, flying over through the storm, seemingly protecting them from different shrapnel or other calamitous events that would occur because of the tornado. A lot of the children said that they weren't afraid because the butterfly people were there protecting them and making them feel safe. I find that really interesting because that seems reminiscent of a lot of angel stories that people tell during tragedies like that. Exactly, yeah. Manifested as a a Christian angel. Yes, yeah. The weird thing is that all these kids talked about these butterflies that they felt like they were saving them. And so many children all around town felt this, they ended up painting this mural called The Butterfly Effect, Dreams That Take Flight, which is still at the intersection of the town's main and 15th Street Square. And it shows these butterflies... It doesn't actually show butterfly people, but I think they took these butterfly stories and put butterflies on this mural to symbolize how they were protected during this horrific tornado. Since then, butterflies haven't returned, but maybe next time a tornado tears through the town, butterfly people might be there to save the day. Wow, I think there's something really to that, especially since that is one of the main destinations of the monarch butterfly flight pattern from Mexico to Canada. Hmm? That is fascinating. The most obvious thing I can think of is that the monarchs were flying through during the tornado. A mutagen factory got blown open, (laughs) poured out on the butterflies. They grew in size and strength relatively quickly and realized their true nature was to save these little kids from the tornado destruction. They did that. They fucked off. I think that's completely valid. Or <laughs> I don't think that's completely valid. No, I know. I think you're, I think you're onto something here. Or encounter. You know, when I was a kid, I always considered butterflies and moths two sides of the same coin. <laughs> like Two Face? No, no, not part of the same entity. Just two different versions of the same concept. So if the Mothman predicted a tragedy. In Point Pleasant. Ah, I see where you're going. But didn't interfere 
Except to warn, mm-hmm. this one, the butterfly people actively intervened and saved people. Oh, what if there's the great war raging between the butterfly people and the mothmen? <laughs> Get Hindercold on the phone! <laughs> we can't, sir. He's in deep space. Now, he probably is in deep space at that point. Okay, that's a great yeah. one. Yes, yeah. that's yeah. very good. Wow. Didn't know that. It's fascinating. Okay, how about... This one doesn't have a lot to it. because it's relatively recent and mm, little iffy, but... There's a creature called the Nixa Hellhound, and I've been to Nixa. There is nothing to say about Nixa. Don't, I've never been to Nixa, I don't think. You don't have to. It's just a small Missouri town. That's all you need to know. Sounds like been barking up the wrong tree. So, only a few years ago, somebody called into a Springfield radio station, because Nixa is close to Springfield, claiming that they had seen a dog-like creature wandering around in Nixa. Mangy or demonic or menacing. You know, mangy or demonic, one of the two. Yeah, well, I mean, come on. <laughs> and so the DJs that were working that night named it Paul for some reason. And it became a phenomenon in that area over the next several months. One alleged witness stated that it looked like a deer and a dog that had had a one night stand, to be honest hot. Somebody saw Annihilation. (laughs) And so I looked up a lot of Missouri folklore scholars. An Ozark folklorist named Vance Rudolph wrote about tales of ghosts and monster-like dogs, which is a common trope in local legends. Traditionally, a lot of places have legends about demon dogs or ghost dogs or demon dog creatures. Even Hound of the Baskervilles, the Sherlock Holmes story. It's very similar to the Chupacabra or the Jersey Devil. It's a demonic dog-type creature that haunts the night and stalks around. In all likelihood, the Nixa Hellhound was probably literally a mangy dog or a rabbit dog or a wolf or something in that vein. It's only been seen a few times, so... Most likely, that's... It might have actually existed. Just like the Chupacabra. It's just kind of a gross dog. (laughs) Yeah, I saw a story that called it the Booger Dog. Yes, which is stupid. So. Oh, yep, that's... All that dog talk made me think of that uh, the dog suicide bridge in Scotland. Oh. You ever heard of that? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Between, what, 300 and 600 dogs have jumped off this bridge. I don't know. That doesn't that seem like they're like, oh, I don't want this dog anymore. And they just chuck it off and then they're like, oh, I don't know what happened. It's a suicide uh, bridge. Yeah, it's I crazy. Mean, yeah, I, I don't. It's like the Japanese suicide forest. You know, it's like, well, I mean, is it haunted or do people just go there and kill themselves? Uh, I mean, I think suicide forest might be like a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy thing. Yes. Well. Yeah, doesn't matter. Anywho, let's talk about something different. Something deeper. Something under your feet. So one thing people don't know about Missouri is that in Kansas City, there is the world's largest underground business complex. This is a 55 million square foot city underneath Missouri. It's really weird. Some people call it the subtropolis. They store a lot of stuff, so things come from one part of the country or even the world get stored there to get moved to other places. It's easier to deal with the temperatures and humidity and whatnot. 
But there are other, even possibly wilder things underneath Missouri, as was apparently found from reports. On the April 9th, 1885 New York Times story of Missouri's buried city. So supposedly, there was a discovery in a coal mine under Moberly, Missouri, which is, what, about an hour outside of Columbia? Yeah, about. Yeah, somewhere around there. So coal miners were sinking the shaft about 360 feet deep, and then they broke into a cavern, which had this wild and wonderful hidden city underneath the ground, apparently full of different potteries and tools. There's supposedly ancient murals and pathways. The city went on and on. The miners down there were so in awe, they spent hours searching through this area until the oil in their mining caps went out. They were just so in awe of this, they forgot to refill it and they abandoned the place. But before they did, they found lots of really interesting things. There were bronze tools, flint knives, metallic saws, all this evidence of different advancements in civilization that theoretically shouldn't exist at that point in time. There was a still working water fountain that was under there that had fresh water. You could definitely tell it was very limestoney, which is something that's quite prevalent in Missouri area, but it was still fresh water bubbling up from the deep. But lying next to the water fountain was the remains of a corpse. This corpse is unlike normal corpses because the femur was over four feet long and the tibia of the skeleton was three and a half feet. So essentially this would have been a human type creature over three times the size of a normal human being, a supposed giant underneath Moberly, Missouri. Now, this isn't the first time giants have been discovered. There's, of course, the famous early 1900s expedition down the Colorado River, where supposedly in the Grand Canyon, they found this hidden civilization inside this rock cavern that had a golden Buddha statue, lots of different art and architecture, and these skeletons of these giants. But as so many stories have been told about giants hidden and then being found that they're quickly covered up, supposedly by people who believe these. The Smithsonian Institute is running around covering all this up because they don't want the true giant nature to be revealed. Now, this particular story, there were retractions that were in the St. Louis Evening Chronicle and the New York Times years later, saying that this was all made up and that there wasn't ever this ancient city found, let alone this giant skeleton. But the people who believe say that this is all a cover-up by the Smithsonian and perhaps powers above them. But, you know, whether this was the true Missouri Pompeii or not, that's debatable. The man who owned the mine apparently didn't go back down there, or if they did, they were all silenced. You can still see the entrance of this cave today, this mining shaft cave. But people haven't gone back down there for whatever reason. And you can still find it yourself, although I wouldn't recommend it. You don't know what they won't let you find. Well, the craziest part about that is there was an ancient civilization that thrived in that area that had been forgotten until recently. The Cahokian, the lower Mississippian floodplain peoples, Mm -hmm. that whole enormous city that they found in the St. Louis area. 
one of the largest Native American civilizations in history, starting at, what, like, 900 CE, I think. So you have to wonder, you know what, and we'll actually get to that very soon. But were they giants? They might be giants. <laughs> I was waiting for that one. That's good. They also found a little birdcage down there. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little Dr. Worm. <laughs> they used to call it Constantinople, but I think it's Istanbul now. Why does the sunshine? So we're going to go back to the Ozark area here, which actually isn't too far from where we were just located here. There is a creature called the Ozark Howling. <laughs> the worst part is that earlier when I was Googling this to check some sources, I put in the Ozark Fowler and they had no <laughs> idea what I was talking about. And I, have no, I was like, what did I do wrong? Oh, no, that's not right. So the Ozark Howler. It's funny. When you first said that you were Googling that, I was like, oh, man, he's going to get taken to some Pornhub site that he doesn't want to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some kink.com site. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you want the Ozark Howler, huh? Oh, you got to pay extra for that one. <laughs> you got to pay that show me tax. You know what I mean? This is Bertha. She's our lot lizard. She's the Ozark Howler. <laughs> we got to go to the devil's icebox to get that one. <laughs> hey, nice. Okay, so the Ozark Howler, also known as the Ozark Black Howler, racist. Mm. But just wait. Also known as the Hoo Hoo and the Nightshade Bear. Ooh, I kind of like that one. Or the devil cat meow i kind of like the nightshade bear the nightshade bear is really good the who who is the worst thing i've ever heard no the who i h o o h o o who who would come up with that uh i i'm going to guess the who <laughs> that's terrible supposedly a legendary <laughs> creature really that lives i know it's terrible <laughs> it's really bad uh the karaoke guy i know i know it supposedly lives in remote areas in Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Texas. It's often referred to by witnesses as an overgrown wildcat. It's nocturnal. It's stealthy. Most cats are. Most of the witnesses have not actually seen this creature, but heard it. Because it screams. It's typically described as the size of a bear with a thick body. Stocky legs. Uh, T-H-I-C-C? Mm -hmm. Yes. Got that ass. <laughs> Got that bear ass. <laughs> Black shaggy hair, glowing red eyes, and horns. Now, stop right now, if you're listening to this, and go watch Annihilation, because that creature 100% shows up in that movie. Hey, Alex Garland knows. This thing totally kills, what's her name? And it copies human voices when they cry for help. So this is a bad thing. So its cry is often described as being a combination of a wolf's howl, oh. an, elk, an elk's, and this is what they call it, bugle. Uh. <laughs> okay, valiant effort. And the laugh of a hyena. <laughs> hey, that wasn't bad, actually. Could have been a howler monkey, could have been a hyena. I'm with you on both fronts. <laughs> what you need to do is you got to take them, combine all of those, play the track over, and see how it comes out. <laughs> it makes it creepy. Some anthropologists think that it's probably a large wild cat that's been misidentified. Some people believe that it's related to the dark dogs of death in British folklore. The dark dogs of death. I'm not making this up. This is a thing. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's what the Hounds of the Baskerville are based on, including creatures called Church Grim, awesome, <laughs> Black Shuck, 
Not the best. And this is probably my favorite. The guy trash. <laughs> that sounds like an awful Star Trek episode. So these comparisons note that many versions of the creature, like the Ozark Howler, are described as having glowing red eyes. Okay, those all have that in common. The Ozark Howler also, like these creatures, has been described as a dark omen predicting the death of those who see it. Now, the Missouri Department of Conservation, in real life, gets reports every year of people spotting these things. And every year, according to their records, this I didn't know, this is actually fascinating, they get reports of, quote, a black panther creeping around. There is no such thing as a black panther. Uh, no, I, I saw the movie. It happened. It's the, well, prove it. He did. <laughs> oh, that's sad. There's the, of course it's sad. Of why course did it's you sad. do that? Why, why did you do that? I didn't do anything. I didn't. You, you made it sad. Why did pancreatic cancer do that? Why did you ask me that? You know, me we that? should. Someone, someone needs to hold it accountable. Riddle me that. Yeah, I know. They took Swayze. They took him. I mean, come on. Somebody hold them accountable. Put him on trial. So there's no such thing as Black Panther. Apparently, what is called a black panther is just a species of jaguar or jaguar, depending on what side of the Atlantic you come from. But those are not native to North America. And if they exist, they exist only in Florida. So, whatever. Ah, Florida. Florida, the worst thing that's ever happened. Yeah. I mean, you know, however the worst parts of Missouri are, at least we're not Florida. You know what? 100%. I will grant you that. We're weird and extreme in a lot of ways. We are not Florida. Some biologists who believe in the Ozark Howler assert that it's a mountain lion in real life who has bred with another species of large cat or is a hybrid of a mountain lion and an unknown species of cat. Other speculation believes that it might be a, uh, a wild boar, an eastern woodland bison, an actual hyena that somehow lived in the wilderness of Missouri, which is possible, or a surviving member of the Creodont family. Now, the Creodonts are an older offshoot of the mammalian branch. They bear a superficial similarity to large cats or big weasels, but are actually very, very distinct on their own, which is why you wouldn't know what they were when you look. Claims about various large Appalachian predators, and this is the same kind of description of the Ozark Fowler, uh, Fowler, why do I keep saying Fowler? <laughs> the Gloacus. Not the cloaca, the Gloacus. Yeah, uh, Gloacus. Yeah. G-L-A-W-A-C-K-U-S. And the Beast of Bladenborough. Oh, the Beast of Bladenborough. They're all described almost identically. Might fit the bill as members of Creodonts. All three of these cryptids are described as being feline, but not quite. The Gloacus, for example, is described as combining characteristics of a lion, panther, and a bear. The Ozark Howler, very similarly, it's bear-sized, seems to mostly resemble a shaggy creature. But... Is that possible? Could it be a Creodon? Um, probably not, unfortunately, but... Oh. I know, it's sad because we're getting into real science here. Uh, the Ozark Howler's mass is similar to the largest Creodon ever, which is the... Okay, I'm going to get it. Magistotherium osteolastus. Magistotherium osteolastus. You're right there? I got it. Got it. Nailed it. 
It's Latin, man. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> and yes, it, it does resemble the size of a creature that large, for sure. An actual creature that exists. That's very, very possible. However, that creature lives in Africa, not North America. Also, it's been extinct for 20 million years. Well, is it? Or just not returning your calls? <laughs> I don't know. Ask Nessie. I don't know. She's a bitch to get on the phone. Uh, true that. She just texts now. And then, of course, the last actual known creodont to ever exist died nine million years ago. And also, they never had horns, which the Ozark Howler supposedly has. So, in December 2015, an Arkansas television station reported that it had received photographs purporting to be the images of the creature from a viewer. The station contacted the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, who then responded that they had heard of no claims of sightings of a creature and said that the images sent to the station were a hoax. Probably. <laughs> but, I mean, you're not going to listen to that, so I uh, Let facts get in the way of this good story. If I remember right, the people that had tracked this down tracked the emails to a University of Arkansas student who had admitted to sending these as a hoax. Mm. I know, I know. But surprisingly, the biggest critics of this creature's existence are cryptozoologists. They believe, because there's no physical evidence, because cryptozoology is, just like ufology, is trying to be a legitimate, scientifically-based practice or at least a way of judging whether something is real or not, most cryptozoologists don't believe this creature exists. And that, in turn, annoys people who keep the Ozark folklore traditions alive. Because to them, it's real, whether or not it's a real creature. And so there's a big disconnect there, and it keeps things muddled, and it keeps people from finding out what's really going on. Well, maybe they'll get enough belief, and it will exist like a tulpa. Okay, so... I'm going to talk a, a quick little story about the serpent of Mud Lake. So back in 1895, Anderson McCoy, who was the brother of Policeman McCoy, <laughs> at least that's <laughs> that's how they say it in this old paper. Oh, I'm sure. He saw the serpent again. The serpent that lives in Mud Lake. Where is Mud Lake? Was this a diary? This was a story in the... Howarden Independent of Howarden, Iowa, which describes the monster near St. Joseph, Missouri, in Mud Lake. So this is the Mud Lake monster, which is much different than the Murfreesboro mud monster of much more renown. That's in Illinois. Yeah. Or uh, Illinois, as the people of Murfreesboro. As no one has ever said ever. <laughs> this is the serpent that lives in Mud Lake. It's been seen several times in the past summer and was even caught in nets by a fisherman. But it happened to break through those nets, leaving a hole in the net large enough for a whole horse to pass through. That's a specific size. That's a horse-sized hole. Now, McCoy has a strong boat, which he used to hunt <laughs> ducks on the Is lake. A, a euphemism for something? <laughs> <laughs> Strong boat for his horse hole. Strong boat to hunt poontang. <laughs> but he was out in the boat a few days ago and something struck that boat. He declares that he was knocked ten feet into the air. If it was an inch. <laughs> when the boat came down again, McCoy saw the serpent swirling in the water a short distance away. He could not quite see the size nor the shape, but he thought it was huge. He saw the shape of water. 
Now his brother's boat, that's been struck a number of times. The fishermen at the lake are considerably excited about the presence of such a mysterious object in the water. McCoy thinks it's a large fish that got in the lake in the river when it was too high. But others say it was a serpent from the unknown. (laughs) Others say it was a slightly smaller fish. (laughs) Some say it was a horse floating in the air that then (laughs) dove down to... (laughs) You know, those horse fish. They're tearing through nets all around these parts. (laughs) What do you think Aquaman rides? (laughs) Strangely enough, there are very few other stories about the Mud Lake Monster. Oh, no. Yeah, Yeah, it's surprising, I know. But what might interest you more are the Space Penguins of Tuscumbia. That does interest me more. It does interest you more. So in 1967, in February, uh, the 64... Oh, let's start that over again. So, on Valentine's Day of 1967, 60-year-old farmer Claude Edwards woke up to attend his normal duties in Tuscumbia, Missouri. Now, he's going through his farmland. He sees something odd. It seems to be a a mushroom-like object, quite massive, grayish-green in color, that was perched atop a circular tube in the meadow adjacent to his barn. A penis? Is it a penis? It's a giant penis sticking out from the ground. I f***ing knew it. Yeah, you knew about f***ing. Now, emerging from this piece, I mean this giant mushroom, (laughs) were a group of tiny, odd creatures. Penises. That seemed to be... (laughs) Swarming below, about three feet high, also grayish-green creatures that look like penguins. Space Catholics. (laughs) Have you heard about the word of Space Jesus? Have you heard the good news? (laughs) Space Jesus, he's coming to you! Uh, Wait, that's the Mormons, never mind. These penguin creatures were either wearing black goggles or they had wide-set black eyes and dark protuberance that he thought looked like a beak, perhaps with some type of breathing apparatus. Wait, wait, wait. Isn't this, didn't this happen in Batman Returns? <laughs> didn't they put little goggles on him and they... The Tuscumbia creatures look like the Canula humanoids that were found by Finnish lumberjacks back in 1971. Feel free to Google that. I don't have any background for that one. (laughs) Very few people do. You got to be pretty deep in the weeds like we are right now. But they also wore greenish protective uniforms. But these little green penguins had no visible neck and were just, I don't know, meandering around underneath this giant penis. I mean, mushroom uh, vehicle. The farmer got within 15 feet of this mushroom. The little entities stopped by some type of force field. Edwards claims that he could neither see nor feel it, but the pressure of the invisible barrier was unmistakable. According to Edwards, I thought I was going right up to it. I got up there and there it is. I just walked up against the wall. Wow. <laughs> wow. He estimated that the curved top of the craft was about 18 feet in diameter and nearly eight feet at its apex. The stem-like tube, evidently made of the same material, was much higher than the beings beneath it. 
Now, there were evenly spaced oval portals about 12 inches by 12 inches apart situated around, we'll say, the head. (laughs) The bell end. (laughs) A dazzling array of colors emitting from each of these particular ovals, and they oscillated as if spinning behind the portals. Edwards described the craft as such. Object, it looked just like a big shell, a grayish-green looking outfit, and underneath there were oblong holes where the lights were coming out. They were so bright you couldn't see when you got up there. As if a color wheel was turning inside the thing. He started throwing stones at the oh, object, sure, yeah. you know, as you do. This is at, beautiful. And the at the creatures. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, the green penguin things swiftly disappeared behind the shaft, presumably into one of the access portals. According to Edwards, the mushroom then took off and soared skyward at a tremendous speed before heading south towards St. Elizabeth. The whole thing took off over five minutes, maybe ten. I have never seen anything like it. It looked like a shiny silk or something. I couldn't tell. I was going to tell, though if I could, I'd have hit the thing with a rock. He's quite the wordsmith, this man is. Apparently. Yeah. So later on, after the thing was gone, other people arrived to the site and they could see that there was a slightly irregular circle about one meter in diameter where the penis, I mean mushroom spacecraft, was placed and the soil was extremely dehydrated around the rim. He never saw it again. The penguins and their penis vehicle never returned, but he never made any money from this. It was just an odd story. You know, now you know just as I do. Sometimes it happens, even in Missouri. We would know about Missouri. Yeah, not green grayish peni emerging behind the barn. So anyway, perhaps we should fly into another story. Whoa! I feel like that's the star wipe of a podcast. (laughs) Kind of, yeah. Now we're going to talk about the Piazza, the Mike Piazza. Hey, I got your Piazza here. (laughs) You with the extra mushrooms? I think it's Piazza, Native American mythology. This is a crazy thing that is, it's really hard to say what's regional and what isn't, considering how we moved Native peoples from one place to another, not in their native lands. But in this particular part of the world, there are legends that exist based on ancient civilizations that did thrive long before European settlers, one of which is the Piazza. It's a mythical creature depicted in one of two murals painted by Native Americans on cliff sides above the Missouri River. Its original location was at the end of a chain of limestone bluffs in Madison County, Illinois, which is essentially the St. Louis suburbs. So the original mural was created, obviously, before European settlers. The location of the original image was at the river bluff of the American Bottom floodplain. Sounds like a lot of buzzwords, but it is an actual thing. So it may have been an older iconograph from the large Mississippian culture, the Cahokia, which developed about 900 CE. We talked about that earlier. From an article in the Alton Evening Telegraph from May 27, 1921, they said that they found seven smaller painted images carved and painted in rocks believed to be of an archaic American Indian origin. They were found 
in the early 20th century, about a mile and a half upriver from the ancient Piazza's creature's location. Supposedly a cryptid lives in this area. These pictures were authenticated in the Levis Bluffs area by a man named George Dickinson and a man named William Turk in 1905. According to this article, four of these paintings were of, quote, an owl, a sun circle, a squirrel, and a piece showing two birds or some kind of animals in a contest. The other three paintings were of, quote, a great animal, perhaps a lion, and another animal about as large as a coyote. (laughs) That's on cue. Wow, that was gold. Starbucks, wow. (laughs) She's my spirit animal, apparently. That's good. So these paintings were photographed by Professor William McAdams and were to be placed in his Book of Records of Ancient Races in the Mississippi Valley. These seven American Indian paintings were lost in transit. This is garbage. They were lost in transit to the Missouri Historical Society in 1922. Nice. Good job, guys. Nailed it, guys. Good job, white people. Other native carved petroglyphs, a similar time period and region as the the Payasa monster, were caved into the rocks of Washington State Park in Missouri, about 60 miles southwest of where the image is today. So this is a very old cave painting that depicts a giant bird, not necessarily a thunderbird, but a giant bird creature that devoured the flesh of the dead on the battlefield after whatever skirmish was over. In 1673, Father Jacques Marquette saw the painting on a limestone bluff overlooking the Missouri River while exploring. This is what he recorded. Quote, While skirting some rocks, which by their height and length inspired awe, we saw upon one of them two painted monsters, which at first made us afraid, and upon which the boldest savages dare not rest their eyes. These aren't your words. Mm, Yeah. They are as large as a calf. They have horns on their heads like those of a deer, a horrible look, red eyes, a beard like a tiger's, and a face somewhat like a man's, a body covered with scales, and so long a tail that it winds around the body, passing above the head and going between the legs, ending in a fish's tail. Green, red, and black are the three colors compositing the picture. Moreover, these two monsters are so well painted that we cannot believe that any savage is their author. Oof. For good painters in France would find it difficult to reach that place conveniently to paint them. Mm. Oof. Mm. Oof. Here is approximately the shape of these monsters as we have faithfully copied it. So they did their own depiction of them. Gross. Super gross. They at least respected the idea that these monsters might exist. But also gross. You guys are pieces of <laughs> So the monster depicted in the mural was first referred to as the Piasa bird in an article published in 1863 by John Russell of Bluffdale, Illinois. John Russell was a professor of Greek and Latin at Shirtleft College, Upper Alton, Illinois. I know why Upper Elton is also a town. The article was entitled The Tradition of the Piosa, and Russell claimed that the origin of the word came from a nearby stream. The stream is the Piosa. Its name signifies the Illini. Quote, the bird that devours men. <laughs> Genuinely badass. Yeah. The original creek ran through the main ravine down into downtown Alton and was completely covered by huge draining pipes 
by around 1912. According to the story published by Russell, the creature depicted by the painting was a huge bird that lived in the cliffs that ate people. He claimed that this creature had attacked and devoured people in nearby Indian villages shortly after the corpses of a war gave it taste for human flesh. Yummy. Yikes. The legend claims that a local Indian chief named Chief Oatoga managed to slay the monster using a plan given to him in a dream by the Great Spirit. That's kind of a cool story. Yeah, that's nice. The chief ordered his bravest warriors to hide near the entrance of the bird's cave. Watoga then acted as bait to lure the creature out. The monster flew down toward the chief. His warriors then slew it with a volley of poisoned arrows. Russell claimed that the mural was painted as a commemoration of this historic event. Basically, that was a badass f***ing event that even white people were like, okay, this seemed like it was really cool. Unfortunately, in a book called The Records of Ancient Races in the Mississippi Valley, which is already problematic, in Chapter 2, 1887, by W. McAdams, he says that he contacted John Russell, who admitted that the story was fabricated. Oh, I know. So, that's a problem. It happens a lot. In a lot of these stories where white people come across stories of native peoples, claim they're real, embellish them, and then make them up to either discredit native peoples or to get their own fame and then get discredited. And then nothing ever gets proven. It's a sad state of affairs, but so that's where that rests. That's unfortunately all there is. <sighs> Let's discuss the ghost demon cat of the mirror dimension. Now, this is just a, a, a short, fun story, but I thought you guys might like it. <clears throat> Sit back and find out. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I'm uncomfortable <laughs> with my chair. Laura Hauteling of Kansas City, Missouri, had like an encounter. <laughs> had an encounter with a strange feline. She went to the 1886 Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, which is pretty close. I mean, you know, yeah, technically it's, it's in Arkansas, but you know. This happened in 2001 when she and a, a group of her friends drove from KC down to Arkansas for spring break. That's a choice she made, and she pays the price for it. <laughs> spring break! Woo! <laughs> yeah. Say goodbye to these, Michael. <laughs> Show me your weenus. <laughs> oh, the high holidays, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So as she says, she grew up an hour away from Euchre Springs, and she had been down to the Crescent Hotel several times. The end. (laughs) Yep, that's it. So she said that her boyfriend encountered something strange near a ghost tour of the hotel one time, and he had never returned. But a group went down for the weekend to look for ghosts. With them, the group had Toddling's dog, Little Bear. A 30-pound mutt, about the size of a cocker spaniel, but it looked kind of like a Labrador. Laura said that she's had him with her her entire life. Never they kept her on a leash, and she's one of those dogs that just looked after her. Now, this is important because it comes into the story. It's what the dog did that shows that Miss Huddling wasn't dreaming. So as she slept, she woke up and heard the tags of Little Bear's collar jingling, and then she heard her growl which was very unlike her because she was really easygoing. Huddling looked toward the vanity where Little Bear was staring, and that's when she saw a black cat sitting on the vanity. But this cat was on the other side of the mirror. Now, as she rubbed her eyes to take another look, the cat walked out of the mirror and jumped on the seat of the vanity and then walked through the wall. 
So as the cat stepped out of the mirror, the little bear started barking. The dog went nuts and woke everyone else up. That's when she realized this wasn't a dream. This was real life. And that, indeed, was a ghost demon cat from the mirror dimension. That's all. That's the whole story. <laughs> Nobody else saw the cat. It disappeared. End of story. <laughs> I think it's about as factual as could possibly be. It's a fact. 30 Helen's agree. Yep. Skip. Could you give me Mo? Give me some Mo. Oh, you need some Mo, do you? I need some Mo of Mo. Mo work and Mo play makes Mo a Mo. <laughs> did you just say Momo? I did. That's an early Simpsons episode back when Simpsons was good in the first, like, four seasons. Oh, you mean 30 years ago. No, no one was alive then. <laughs> so the most famous of the Missouri cryptids is most likely a creature called uh, Momo. A uh, Momo. Uh, me, Momo. Part of the Momo clan. They mm -hmm. live on the top floor. Momo is the name of a local legend. It's considered similar to Bigfoot or a skunk ape. It's reported to live in Missouri, specifically. The clever name is Momo, which is short for the Missouri monster. If you don't understand why that's clever, it's because MO is the postal code for Missouri. And whoa, whoa! 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 What? People's minds were just blown. My mind is blown! <laughs> God is dead. <laughs> Momo replaced him. <laughs> it turns out a lot of people are obsessed with this. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, it's either Momo or the, or the Ozark Howler. Did you know Rob Lowe has a monster hunting show? Oh? Called the, is, it, the, is it televised or is it on his yes, local it's network? Not, well, that it's he... not just like in his hotel room. It's, uh, it's closed circuit TV of Rob Lowe. <laughs> it's a CCTV of his own show. No, it's it's called uh, The Low Files. And he. It's pretty low. Most specifically investigates Bigfoot. And he did an episode on Momo. Hmm. So did the Travel Channel. The In Search of Bigfoot show, and then another show did too, uh, In Search of Monsters or whatever. They all did Momo episodes, because apparently this is one of the bigger ones in this part of the world. It's considered uh, essentially an offshoot of Sasquatch or Skunk Ape or various sundry versions of that creature. The first time it was reported was in July 1971 near Louisiana, Missouri. And the reason there's a Louisiana, Missouri is because it's – that part of the state is on the Mississippi right up from Louisiana. And a lot of people from Louisiana settled there and traded there. And that's also why you get a lot of French-sounding names over there and a lot of French-speaking people over there and all sorts of things. So, Well, you get that all over the state, your Versailles. It's Versailles, but also Ovaz. Ovaz? Ovaz is a state is a city in Missouri. Yes, 100%. And spelled the French way and pronounced the French way. However, Versailles is pronounced Versailles. Uh, there's also St. Genevieve in the St. Louis area and it's just that's just how it is. So, obviously he's been spotted up and down the Missouri River, but he originally was oh, I'm sorry, the Mississippi River. He was originally spotted by Joan Mills and Mary Ryan in July 1971 near Louisiana, Missouri. He's supposedly a large, seven-foot, tall, hairy, man-like creature with black fur. And in 1972, two young boys and their sister, two young people and their companion, 
get a lot of young people in there, but not so many companions. <laughs> we don't even give sisters a name these days. These ribbons are for the young people, and these ribbons are... Um, they first sighted a seven-foot-tall, hairy beast on the edge of the woods outside of Louisiana. It emanated a foul order, odor and order. It was carrying a dead dog. So it's either Michael Myers from the original Halloween. He did eat that dog. Hey, sometimes you get hungry. You know what? And that is in Illinois. So think about that. Or as they say it there, Illinois. They don't say that. They don't... They've never once said that. Illinois. If I keep saying it's going to be a thing, right? No, no, I'm going to come. I'm going to come check on you in a few. Um, but you bet five thousand cc's of Thorazine. We're going to... <laughs> Illinois. According to the eyewitness accounts, multiple times it fit the Bigfoot criteria. Now, people have speculated that it might be a rogue black bear, which is possible. There are black bears in Missouri, Illinois, Arkansas, uh, you know. But following the sightings in 1972, beginning specifically at 3.30 p.m. July 11, where they were first reported by Terry, Wally, and Doris Harrison, lasted for about two weeks, and then tracks were found and submitted to Lawrence Curtis, director of the Oklahoma City Zoo and Botanical Garden. He said they were a hoax. What does this guy know? What does he know? Has he ever seen a Harry and the Hendersons? I doubt it. This guy doesn't even own a TV. <laughs> this guy doesn't even believe in Jesus. He's a heathen. But the weird thing is that many, many, many sightings happened that year. Most notably, a local fire department chief and member of the city council, Richard Allen Murray, reported driving along a creek bed when he saw a massive upright creature in his vehicle's headlights. As a result of these reported encounters... A 20-person posse was formed to hunt the creature, but nothing was ever found. Which is probably for the best, because posses never really work out for anyone. Oh. Posses aren't cool. Let's just say that. They're not cool. So then in 2019, a docu-horror film called Momo the Missouri Monster, not just a clever name, (laughs) was released. Features a, a dramatization of the events from 1972. The cast includes Cliff Barockman and James Bobo Frey. Uh, I'm sorry, not- James Bobo Fay, best known for their appearances as Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization members on the Animal Planet series Finding Bigfoot. And I'm pretty sure they're not playing themselves. So, basically, all research into this has reached a, a wall, even though for a long time it was popular, Six Flags... St. Louis had a ride that operated from 1973 until 1994 called Momo the Missouri Monster. No idea that that was a thing. Because you and I are world's Mm-mm. fun kids, so we wouldn't have Yeah, uh, never been to Six Flags. Refused to. Four Flags is about as high as I go. <laughs> well, they have pills for that now, though. I mean... <laughs> so, one of the few surviving witnesses, Richard Murray, swore that he was driving near a small creek that runs through the middle of town around 11 p.m. As he was passing a small hill, he noticed something moving. Turning his truck towards the hill, his highlights illuminated a strange, upright figure covered in brown hair. Just a little different. Murray guessed the creature was about 20 feet away, and when he realized it was there, it quickly hurried over the hill and disappeared. He's a lifelong local who has served as the town's fire chief and sat on the city council. 
and he was surprised by his sighting. Quote, I was amazed to see something. I thought it was a bunch of nonsense, but then I saw something. Not the most, you know... <laughs> that, that quote's not burning the building down, but, you know, it's something, I guess. So, how does that fit into the rest of the town and its history? I'm going to quote from Jason Offit. Now, quote, I believe Louisiana tried to have Momo festivals, but the townspeople never really cared that much. Now, James Offit is the author of several books on America's cryptids. He is a professor at the Northwest Northwest Missouri State (laughs) University. The the opposite of one of the we went to. (laughs) Northwest Missouri State University. (laughs) And he said, quote, the big difference between something like Mothman and Momo is that Mothman, at least at the time of the Silver Bridge collapse, was a unique monster. I hate to put it this way, but as much as I love a good Bigfoot story, the big guy has become too common in popular culture to attract that much attention. So, apparently most people today in Louisiana, Missouri, have forgotten about Momo. It seems that like many of the blue-collar industrial towns of the Rust Belt and the Midwest, these legends are in danger of fading out of the world's consciousness. That is, unless they're real. Too true. That's all I had. (laughs) Well, I wanted to say that, at least for myself, I looked at a lot of Jason Offit's stuff. I've been a fan of his for a long time. If you're interested in this type of thing, he's written books of the Paranormal Missouri, Show Me Your Monsters. Cool. He, the What Lurks Beyond, the paranormal in your backyard, where he, within a hundred miles of his residence, he did stories, be they demonic possession, shadow people, UFO abductions, hauntings, all types of stuff that was just it technically in his backyard. Haunted Missouri, a ghostly guide to the show me state's most spirited spots. He's on a lot of podcasts. He does articles for his own blog. And on the Mysterious Universe website, just a great source, especially if you're into this type of thing. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to give him a plug. Totally. Yeah, he, he totally provided a lot of great material here. And so there are tons more monsters in Missouri. Monsters, cryptids, creatures, legends, lore. But currently, neither Skip or myself live in Missouri. I live in Iowa currently. Uh, and Mr. Skip. Lives in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Omaha. I wanted to give us a little bit of that hometown feel for, for what we're feeling now. So, I'm going to throw in a few stories of local legends that we can go see right now. Ooh. Yes. For Skip, I would suggest the Walgren Lake Monster, a.k.a. the Alkali Lake Monster, or Giganticus Bruturvius. Uh, this is a, a cryptid, uh, supposedly living in Walgren Lake near Hay Springs, Nebraska. What? Really? Yeah. Cool. So there are uh, different accounts, uh, all different types of descriptions of this creature. Um, it's been said to be a dull gray or brown, uh, kind of alligator creature, uh, but much larger and heavier with a horn between its eyes and nostrils. Um, it's also been reported to be like a very large catfish or mud puppy. Um, some even more contemporary, uh, 
contemporaneous reports uh, say it's it's an unusually large beaver, um, but apparently it has uh, been reported to be a devourer of livestock and local animals. It just kind of sounds um, like a narwhal. Yeah, maybe you have a local Nebraska narwhal. Maybe, I mean, maybe there are freshwater get. dolphins. Why won't there be freshwater narwhals? Yeah, science. Tell me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah come Mr. on. Science. <laughs> come at me, bro. Now, now, some people say that this is all a hoax and there's no such thing, but uh, stories still persist to this day. One from my local area, which I think is an awesome story. It's called the Van Meter Visitor or the Van Meter Monster. And this is in a small town, Van Meter, Iowa. This happened. Where'd that story go? Um, it's gone. I, I lost it, man. No, it's gone forever. So this happened in 1903, a little west of Des Moines. All of a sudden, this humanoid pterodactyl-looking creature appeared. Over the course of five nights in September and October that year... Sauron? Kind of like, but even weirder. There's this half-human, half-animal creature that would fly above the city. Tons of quote-unquote upstanding citizens saw this thing. It was apparently a nine-foot creature that flew at incredible speeds, had a horrendous memory-erasing stench. (laughs) That seems convenient. And all the while, shot bolts of light from a horn on its forehead. So the local townsfolk shot bullets at it, didn't hurt it, didn't phase it. One of the townspeople uh, supposedly took a plaster cast of the three-toed footprint that it left behind. On the first night, they say it was flying across buildings. Then it was seen in the next evening by the town doctor and the bank cashier. On the third night, someone saw it perched on a telephone pole while it seemed to be hopping around like a kangaroo. Another high school teacher likened it to a devil. Now, uh, in an attempt to finally get rid of the beast, townsfolk gathered up... um, and they followed it to an abandoned coal mine oh, uh, kind of near the edge of town. Isn't this how most horror movies start? <laughs> uh, so uh, as, as the article from the original uh, October 3rd, 1903 Des Moines Daily News said, Presently the noise opened up again as though Satan and a regiment of imps were coming forth for battle. Emerging from the cave were two creatures, one larger and one smaller. Holy uh, shit. <laughs> is this Exodus? I mean, I mean, uh, um, uh, Revelation? We're talking about the book of Revelation uh, here? Maybe. Uh, in a flash of light, leaving behind an odor of a stench um, that uh, stunned the, the audience intended, the two creatures flew away to escape the crowd. Bamf. The next morning, however, they returned and found that the townsmen had gathered with weapons to get rid of them. Um, as it says in the article, the reception they received would have sunk the Spanish fleet. But aside from unearthly noise and peculiar odor, they did not seem to mind it, but slowly descended the shaft of old mine. <laughs> That's what they're calling it. <laughs> so these creatures went into the shaft. Uh, and then the men of the town got to work, sealing the creatures inside the mine forever. The creatures were never seen again, but supposedly 
still reside in that deep mind shaft, forever locked away. So, I've known you for a long time. Yeah. And you, and you like to fancy yourself as a writer. Why have you never put this in a screenplay and pitched it? Well, I haven't yet. <laughs> You've been sitting on this for a while. I, <laughs> Uh, hold your horses, little Sally. No. <laughs> Give you a couple other ones that are, are, that are interesting. Supposedly, there are phantom kangaroos in Grand Island, Nebraska. Of course there are. Yeah. Sounds quite wild. There was also the Lois Man, which is in Omaha, Nebraska. It's a skull of Neanderthal that was apparently found in, in 1894, but would throw off the dating for Neanderthals existing in America. Hmm. In a rock quarry, it's 30 feet deep, near Mason City, Iowa, supposedly lurks an enormous snapping turtle called the Monster Turtle of Big Blue in Big Blue Pond in Clear Lake State Park. Is that the one from Never Ending Story? Oh, I wish. But this this guy seems much nastier. What? Supposedly he's the... Well, this one, this is... I mean, that was just a... I was, I was a tortoise, you know, just walk around. It's been a long, long time. <laughs> Supposedly, this is a giant snapping turtle with a shell the size of a Volkswagen Beetle. Oh, is this the turtle that, that the universe lays upon? <laughs> In the pond, it's turtles all the way down. Oh, yeah, all the way down. Supposedly, these enormous jaws have threatened uh, to eat swimmers and possibly eaten local animals that have been too close. Now, the Clear Lake State Park officials say there's no evidence to show there's a giant snapping turtle in this pond, but locals claim otherwise. Now, I also looked for stories in Kansas, but they didn't really have anything. So I just said, f*** them. their dog men's or pterosaurs. Kansas can get f***ed. Yeah. Well, and besides, they have Superman and and Dorothy, so they can whatever. Yeah, yeah, they got enough. They got enough. So uh, I just wanted to give you a little f- local flavor of things you can see around your own hometown now. Yeah, I tried tried not to get into too much of the Illinois and Arkansas stuff because there there's a lot of that too. Oh yeah, well, you can just keep expanding. I just wanted to see you know since since we're we're currently residing in those states yeah, and not our true. not our our home territory. Well, that's good. Some of that I did not know. And I will immediately go check out because I am very curious. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was just a small sampling of the wide variety of strangeness that exists in Missouri, not Missouri. Well, some of it does take place in Missouri. Well, some some place in But for me, it's always Missouri. We're going to tackle more of these things, not just isolated to Missouri, uh, even though we – as proud Missourians, we'd like to focus on that kind of stuff. But yeah, we're going to expand outward. We're going to talk about a lot of different cryptids and a lot of different stories, a lot of things that people don't know about. I'm going to bring all of these things to people's attention because maybe we can find a common thread in a lot of these folklore, figure out exactly where they come from, whether or not some of them are real and some of them aren't. Uh, because there are things out there that are real. And there are a lot of things out there that people believe that probably aren't. For every Seelinkanth, you have Nessie. So it's a mixed bag, but we will try to figure out which is which and which is real. And, you know, starting from the Midwest and expanding outward, I think it's probably the, the tact we're going to take. So. Hey, it's like they say, mo cryptids, mo pods. You could have just said mo problems and that would have been fine. 
but we're do- we're doing a, a podcast. So yeah, but that, yeah, but let's, people let's I think are acutely aware that we're doing a podcast by I listening know. to our podcast. M- maybe they just happen to <laughs> walk into a room. M- maybe they're strapped we're- down to a bed. And it's being played over loudspeakers. We don't know what's happening. Kidnapped by international terrorists and or some sort of evil order of... Maybe their arms and legs have been cut off and they're strapped to a little gurney thing that, that's underneath the bed that whenever they need I a new you brother or sister... There. I was just thinking that. I was literally just thinking, they're good boys. <laughs> <laughs> the, one of the greatest episodes of X-Files ever. Darren Morgan once again comes through the clutch... <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful. That's much like uh, cryptids from Sir. Which are much like Pokemon. <laughs> In fact, I was searching for different cryptids and I was trying to like find something and I got taken to a Pokemon website. <laughs> of course you did. One of the animals. Oh man, I hope Momo is a Pokemon. Oh <laughs> man, that'd be so funny. Uh, do you think he's a water type? Or... Don't ask me questions like this that I have no context for. Why would you? <laughs> context? That's a different con. They get that, I'm, that has to be a convention, right? Context? Yeah, maybe for like writers, like yeah, like burgeoning writers. Yeah, I mean, if not, it's a good idea. Jump on it. Context convention is, is an Ohio science fiction fantasy oh, horror fu- convention. Of course, it is. of course it is. Who has writing workshops? I mean, yeah, it's too good not to. No, no, good. Good for them. Too bad we couldn't have pounced on it earlier, but good for them. What are we going to do with it? We're not starting a convention. Hey. You've done a lot of things before. doesn't mean you should do those again. Hey, look, those are all consenting adults. It's a horse-sized hole, my friend. (laughs) Hey, thanks for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed this creepy cryptid podcast. It was creepy for so many reasons. This is our cryptid COVID podcast episode i'm gonna edit as many episodes we've recorded during our infection that i can wait what <laughs> i don't know you started talking and you, you drifted yeah, off no, no we're good we're good we're good <laughs> you stopped talking about the government potato salad <laughs> but anyway if you could like the pod maybe share the pod even subscribe to the pod leave a review yeah leave a five momo review don't just leave five stars yeah. Please leave a review, uh, like, with words. That helps. Uh, we really appreciate it. We're just trying to get on the map. We're sad, poor people. Oh, I'd like to say this right now. Uh-oh. I did finally find evidence that we started our podcast in 2009. I still need to listen to this. I found our first two episodes. Mm. Mm. So no, he they says- exist. They exist. I am shocked to find they are still hosted on an old website, proving that if we had just kept up with this, we would probably be popular. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's quite the lofty claim. Well, I'm telling you right now, we started a long time before a lot of other really popular podcasts started. So just saying. It does exist. And I we will reveal that early stuff very soon. And you probably Uh-oh. won't like it, but it does exist. So please do all of those things. Please like, subscribe, leave a review, uh, leave a, uh, a star rating or whatever uh, equivalent of whatever podcatcher that you use. Please support your local comic shops and retailers. And from Dispatch Ajax, we would like to say... Godspeed, fair wizards. Bum 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 <laughs> bum 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 bum. <laughs> yeah. <dear. laughs>
go away. 